again thank you for joining us i am eric with me as always is michael how you doing michael everything's quite dandy dandy we are in the halloween season it is nice and cold oh and sorry spooky i'm spooky yeah you're spooky you're supposed to be like haunted michael now we have to have dumb halloween names mike ghoul cuts yes mike oh. ghoul cuts like okay. it's like the misfits yeah. we're like the misfits now evil eric mike ghoul cuts mm. That's the plan. This is what we gotta lean into. This is how we get the Halloween, the Halloween bump, don't you know? Um, but yeah, it is the nice uh, fall season. It's getting cool in the air. Things are getting nice outside, and uh, so it's a wonderful time to stay inside and play video games and not enjoy the fall. Exactly. Yeah, of course. Enjoy uh, the fall from the inside of your home. Look out the window and be like, it's it's falling leaves. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's cold out there. I don't want to be out there. What are you talking about? It's my, it's my favorite season. My wife hates it. I, it, once it falls below 80, she's like, I'm freezing, and I want to die. I like hoodie weather. I like yeah. the hoodie weather. Uh, I don't want two coats and, you know, th- two pairs of socks. I don't want that kind of weather, but I like hoodie weather. Hoodie weather, I'm a fan of. Cardigan weather. Cardigans and jeans. Do, do I yeah. strike you as a cardigan guy, no, Michael? <laughs> no, but, like, I'm, I'm a jeans, off of that. jeans uh, tank top and hoodie is what I've been rocking because then when it gets hot in the afternoon, you can put the tank top on. You're prepared for all seasons. Not to divert this to wrestling. Yes. I apologize. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay what with. a shame. Uh, you know who is a cardigan guy? Who is? Uh, Elias. That doesn't that surprise was, me. That man was wearing a huge cardigan when, uh, I, when I met him. Very nice uh, guy. I'm sorry, uh, Michael. Are you talking about Ezekiel by chance? Wait, what? No. What uh, are they, uh, what Elias they, what has what been they missing. Why he, he, his brother Ezekiel now wrestles, don't you know? <laughs> this is a real thing. You're looking at me like you don't believe me. But this guy named Ezekiel just walked out one day who looks like Elias without a beard. And we've been told to believe that you know him and Elias are two separate people. Okay, I kind of love this. It's it, it's something. Does he also play guitar or does he play like No, no, he doesn't have any guitar ability because he's not Elias. Well, I don't know if he has like a different, like if he comes out there and plays the recorder. <laughs> I like the idea that they got give him a different instrument. <laughs> that was back when Vince McMahon was in charge of things, so you know he probably be like make him play the banjo. That'd be that's good shit, pal. <laughs> that's good shit. Um, man, wrestling wrestling can be pretty dumb. <laughs> what? No. Um, when is it ever? <laughs> always. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't love it. Uh, no, I can be also pretty dumb. Video games can be pretty dumb. <laughs> I like video games, but boy, they can be pretty dumb. Some would say they're the best when they're dumb. Yeah, uh, yeah sometimes. There's a level of dumb I can't take. Uh, Batman Arkham Asylum is our game that we're discussing today. Part 2 of it. Uh, if you didn't have a chance to listen to Part 1, please go back and do so. It's a good episode. Um, but before we do that, as always, let's talk about other video games. Yeah. It's almost like we have a format to this show that we have to follow. What? Yeah, what a shame. Structure, what's that? Ah, I don't know. Uh, we spent three and a half minutes talking about Ezekiel and Elias from wrestling. So I don't know why we even care about the structure. <laughs> uh, no, but other video games we have been playing. Michael, you mentioned that you have been playing uh, Legend of Zelda The Skyward Sword again. Yes. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> a chain of events. 
one might say. How how all good stories start. So, uh, I've been plugging at the end of the show that uh, on our YouTube channel, I've been making highlight reels of me playing the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time randomized. I have finally bested that game. It's been quite a journey, some highs and lows, but I finally beat Ganon. Went on a nostalgia trip of that ending, that wonderful end credit sequence. Remembering, like, oh, the music here is so good. All the, like, side characters and NPCs just dancing around a campfire at the end. Is Everybody just do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Basically, it warmed my heart in a way that I wasn't expecting at the end of this long journey. So pair that with um, the reveal of Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And it all... <laughs> yeah. With that wonderful timed um, well, reveal. Well, they, they said they weren't going to stream it in the UK. And you're like, why'd they do that? Then they showed the game and you went, uh, mm. <laughs> I would have done it anyway, but you know my feelings on these kind of things. I mean, they could just pull up a live stream of, of the American version. Which is funny because the date format is the exact opposite. So people in the UK thought it was, the game's coming out May 12th. They thought, December 5th? So yeah. <laughs> As someone who works in the shipping business and got in trouble recently about not writing the date in the way that people in Australia writes dates, I um not a big fan. Not a big fan. We should all just settle this and come up with one way to write a date. Um, the yes. So you have been on the Zelda track, so it has taken you to the logical location of Skyward Sword of all games. Because it is the one 3D Zelda I never finished. Okay, now you are playing the Switch version. I am playing the Switch version, and. I, so the preferred way I prefer to play this game is on the controller, although the game does pretty well with the motion controls. The gyro on the Switch is better than the gyro on the Wii was, for starters, and, um, but one thing that's a lot more, uh, fun on the controller is, like, the exploration stuff. Trying to explore and do like the environmental puzzles with the motion controls can it will be a little frustrating versus just point in the controller and then use the gyro on the controller on the controller to kind of fine tune yeah your shots like aim your bow but if like uh, enemy moves to the left you can like do a quick gyro motion with the hand it's a it's an added level of of control not a primary way of aiming the the bow exactly but. I feel like the combat is more fun on the motion controls because the entire game is built around those. So on the controller format, the way you swing is on the right stick because everything in the game is based on like directional. You click the stick in to do a thrust and then up to swing up, down to swing, down, etc. All those motions. Hold the sword up. It, hold the it's sword straight angle up base. in the air. It's all it's angle base, exactly. <clears throat> and because of that, combat on the motion controls when you're fighting an enemy that's like more like the sword fighting strategic enemies that's a lot more fun on motion controls because all about positioning and angling your hand than using the uh left joy con to move your arm forward to do a like parry yeah so to do a parry and then a slash just feels it's it's supposed to it's supposed to be more strategic you're putting the sword yeah. in the right spot to hit the guy from the right angle yeah, exactly. And you have enemies that'll block like certain ways, and then immediately parry you and knock you back if you hit the wrong way. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, I had a save from a year ago where I put ten hours in, so I was about three dungeons into the game. I am now doing like the exploration bits to the fourth dungeon. This is—I don't need to finish it to tell you this is probably the weakest 3D Zelda, which I'm sure a lot of people say that about Skyward Sword. 
it is a perfectly serviceable game that I'm having fun doing, but there is some monotonous stuff in this, even more so than other Zeldas. I can see why they looked at this, kind of like Tomb Raider Underworld, where you're like, all right, we need to we need to switch something up. Something's got to give here. Wait, is it Skyward Sword then? It's Breath not, of the Wild. It's, it's, it's not Twilight Princess before that? Twilight Princess, it goes... It goes Ocarina, Majora, Wind Waker, then Twilight Princess, then Skyward Sword. Okay, okay, okay. Then Breath of the Wild. I always had my uh, those swapped in my head for some reason. But yeah, Skyward Sword is, yeah, right before Breath of... Yeah, okay, it kind of is a good... Uh, okay, maybe we lost the plot here. Let's, let's back up and punt and see what we need to do to about get this, you know, right the ship kind of situation. Um, which I think makes it interesting. Like when we played Tomb Raider Underworld, it is interesting to see that last game before the big revolutionary one, right? Yeah. Because it is like, what made you take this step back and say we have to we have to write the ship here, and um, and I it doesn't always yeah. have to be a bad game. Yeah. Sometimes it can just be a game that just doesn't have the the soul to it, right? And I think that was one thing we talked about with like Underworld, where Underworld was rushed, but it wasn't necessarily a bad game. It was just, it had no soul to it, you know? Yeah. It was just rushed and there. And I don't want to say Skyward Sword doesn't have a soul because it, it really is charming. Like, all the character stuff is great. It just feels like the padding is so much just like, please, just let me get to the next thing. I'm done running around the same environments over and over again before I get to the next dungeon because the dungeons are pretty fun in this game. And I'm told, like, of a few later dungeons, which are some of the best in... 3D Zelda, so I'm really excited to get to those. One dungeon in particular that involves shifting the entire dungeon between past and future, okay. and having to like do puzzles in the past, and that will influence like uh, placement and item stuff in the future. And I'm yeah. like, that stuff is cool. That's the stuff I love from Zelda. Well, that's the thing they did right with Breath of the Wild, right? It made the stuff outside of dungeons still enjoyable. It made it more it, like it's... Cause it, Your kind of iconic moments in Zelda are just the dungeons, and everything else is getting to the dungeons. I mean, I know there's some exceptions here and there, but that's mostly true, right? I mean... Not really. I mean, the dungeons are for sure, like, uh, the highlight and, like, some of the main takeaway, but, like, if the getting to the dungeon isn't as fun as the dungeon, then you just have, like, a slog, like... But I'm All saying that's, in, that's what you're saying, though, right? With this, where, with it, yeah, it is a slog to get to the dungeon. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So like that's that's, but with Breath of the Wild, they made the whole experience of like adventuring throughout the world the kind of the showcase. And the dungeons were the weak point of that game. True, and, but I would say yeah. it wasn't as big of a deal now. From like I haven't played a ton of Breath of the Wild, I played a decent amount of it. Um. But that experience of adventuring throughout the world was good enough that I didn't really care that the dungeons were just yeah okay. exactly because you spent I mean, more time nine, in the war than you did in the dungeons because that's ninety five percent of the game versus like the five to ten percent yeah in the dungeons I yeah yeah I I don't know it just I I always I'm curious I'm not a Zelda guy like I I have played a few of them I'm not. It's not my series. That would be a Nick thing, if anything. And you've played a lot more than I have. Nick is currently screaming, um, listening to this. <laughs> I, I don't likely. know if he's actually played Skyward Sword. He, oh, he has. He told he me. He has? Okay. Now, I, don't know if he, I don't know if he's finished it, but I believe he's definitely started. 
He did a rant about how Skyward Sword was the worst one to do the uh, remaster for. I think he probably, if he did, I know I think he actually did finish that, if I think correct. I'll, I'll ask him next time I see him. But, um, like, that's, you know, of the three of us, he would be the expert, and then you would be behind him. It just would, for me, nothing outside of the dungeons has ever been the thing that's really, like, hooked me. I'm I just would, sitting here, I don't know if I want to go back to Zelda pre- if, Breath of the Wild. If I could, if I suggested one pre Breath of the Wild 3D Zelda for you, I would either say Majora's Mask or Twilight Princess. I've not played Twilight Twilight Princess. I fiddled around with Majora's Mask, but not enough to actually gotcha say that I have a grasp on it. I like the concept a lot more. Um, I think if I do go back, it would be those. Even Twilight Princess even doesn't really. Something that doesn't really appeal to me. I, I I would go back to probably Majora's Mask or even like I don't know. I would I think if I want to play like a Zelda before Breath of the Wild, I would go back to like the Game Boy ones and stuff like that. That's the stuff that more interests me. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm not a not a super Zelda fan, but I just look at that and I just can't see why that was a priority but that's just me um anything else to say about that that's it for me um i played on the opposite end of the spectrum i i played modern warfare 2's beta apparently <laughs> uh i am not a diehard call of duty fan i played the the quote-unquote good ones i try to you know fiddle around with the ones that i hear are specifically unique or different uh, the last one I think I played was the Modern Warfare, like, 2019, you know, release. Yeah. And I like that one. This is the direct sequel to that. I do not care about the lore. I do not care about Warzone. I hopped on here. I played a couple of games of what was basically, like, a search and destroy. Like, it's about, like, grabbing a money bag. Played the first, maybe, five or six games of that. Uh, realized that Call of Duty lobbies are still the worst lobbies in video games because when I started the game, usually I mute anybody that I don't know. You can't survive a Modern Warfare 2 lobby? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Snowflake over here, don't you know? <laughs> just, like, just bombarded with, like, early 2000s lobbies. I was like, no one has ever changed. It's Halo 2 lobbies in here. Nothing has ever changed in the Call of Duty universe. <laughs> um... But then I played their kind of battlefield mode, which is like the big, large-scale maps, has vehicles, has, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff there. And that was actually really damn good. Hmm. I actually really, really enjoyed that. They had that in the in Modern Warfare, and it wasn't what I wanted. Um, playing this, it was great. Like, it felt good. Weapons felt good. All the uh, different kill streaks and stuff like that worked well in that large scale kind I, of fight. I think since then they probably learned a lot from Warzone of how to make like bigger maps also, with, with terrain and vehicles. This also does the the Titanfall thing. Okay, go on. Of giving you a bunch of AI enemies that are in the field too. With okay, you. yeah. So all right. <laughs> you they don't count. I, I might be wrong here. They don't count towards your kill streaks. So you can't form AI enemies. So like killing an AI enemy gets you like five points. Killing a, a human enemy gets you like twenty. But if you want to get your kill streaks up, you have to kill Actually, reg yeah. regular human enemies. But the ability to kind of kill the AI enemies and also have your own AI guys, 
it, oh no, it just it walked. Um, I, I did pretty well in it. I finished top of the game a couple of times. I felt pretty good about that. Um, it's it was good. I liked that. I don't know if it's enough to make me want to uh, play Modern Warfare 2 this year. I don't know if that's going to sell me on that game. But uh, it definitely felt good. I like that mode a lot. Um, and maybe that's where I need to be in Call of Duty in the year 2022. I like the large scale. It was more Battlefield than last Battlefield game was. That's that's good to hear. Yeah, it, it felt pretty good. I was, I was a fan. Um, I also was fiddling around at the same time with uh, Deathloop because that came to Xbox. Um, you talked very highly of Deathloop. You seem to really have enjoyed it. A 8 out of 10 video game through and through. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, I'll set the stage here. I had about five days when it was just me and my baby. My uh, oldest and my wife went, on a, uh, went to visit family up in uh, Philadelphia. And so I was... Like, I had a lot more time on my hands. Baby goes to bed at 6.30. I got plenty. I got all night to do stuff. And I was like, I'm going to knock out a bunch of this you know, death loop. And I played, like, the first two to three hours. Uh, I liked what I played. I liked Colt as a main character. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to be as funny as it was. Like, he's a really kind of funny character, and I like the concept of the game. The banter between him and Juliana is incredible yeah it's good i like all of that um i don't like the shooting in this first person shoot yeah <laughs> um it's it we played uh dishonored and it feel and i played some of prey too and di- it feels very much like arcane style gameplay and it just the shooting just didn't ring true with me and um i just really kind of struggled to get a grasp grasp on like how that felt it just didn't feel good um i like some of the powers and i know that i'll get better stuff as i go but man the shooting just didn't it feels very light it doesn't feel very chunky and playing the modern warfare 2 beta right beside it which say what you want about call of duty games but the shooting's damn good in those games because that's what they do um and then uh coming out right beside that and what completely trumped my interest in playing more Deathloop was Proteus came to Game Pass. I saw that. And you want to talk about yeah. 11, you know, two extremes. Deathloop is over here. Shooting feels kind of light. Things just don't feel chunky. Then you play Proteus, which is a game preview technically. It's still a game preview. But things are chunky <laughs> in Proteus. When you hit shit, you feel it. You know, you you blow an enemy apart. It feels, you know, there's just rain of gore. Um, and I, I, I want my shooting to feel chunky. I want to feel like I got some weight to things. And, uh, played about two or three hours of, uh, Deathloop. Played, uh, the first mission of Proteus. Never went back to Deathloop. <laughs> I have played, like, uh, I think, I'm almost done, I think, with Proteus. And I've also played some multiplayer. And I, I saw that and went, I bet, great. I bet Eric's going to play this game. I scrolled down. I was like, you have, you have a friend already playing this. It's Eric. Yes. He's playing it right now. I'm like, yes. oh, okay. I, I <laughs> that love, makes sense. That Proteus, it is, it's very much like Doom-inspired. It's uh, it's a retro first-person shooter, but it takes a lot from like more modern first-person shooters. It takes a lot from games like Doom Eternal and things like that. Okay. Um, that seems to be, we looped 
uh, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal took a lot from like the classic games, so it's funny that we're looping back around, and now classic-inspired games are taking a lot from the Doom remaster. Yeah. Doom is influential no matter when it comes out. Exactly. Doom 3 even was influential. Yeah. Yep. And I think also ages better than people give it credit for. I think Doom 3 today feels better than it probably did at the time. We should put that to the test next season. I would play time. Doom 3. I yeah. would play Doom 3. Um, but this, it, it's, so, it's so good, man. It's it's more than just a, a retro first-person shooter. It has all that, that good stuff from those, you know, the secret environments and this, that, you know, secret... Um, you know spots to find and stuff like that but the level design is is super interesting and a lot better than a lot of like classic like boom or shooters do it's a lot more than just hallway running is it like labyrinthian um, switches keys yes and it's got that level to it of finding keys and stuff like that but you never get lost um, but what I like about it is they break the formula a lot. Like, they'll give you... I did a level last night that was based around... Uh, the level starts off with two enemy snipers in a place you can't shoot back at. And you spend the entire level dodging those snipers. And I'm playing on, like, the equivalent of hard. So, like, one sniper shot takes me from 100 down to, like, 20. And they hit you back to back. So you spend the entire level playing around the fact that there's from this right side you always can be hit by these snipers okay and so like it's stuff like that that kind of break like the traditional boom or shoot or level design where they do more interesting stuff than that they do you know environmental kills and stuff like that um it's damn good it's in game preview um i haven't seen any reason why it's in game preview like i don't see any obvious like bugs or crashes or anything like that um i do like that there's a rating system for each level they ask your opinion on each level they're like hey man how you like this is it good bad what do you think um they even do that with the store there's a store level that you go in to buy stuff and every time you leave that it's like how you feel about the store (laughs) um but yeah it's it's really really good proteus um on the game pass definitely worth checking out um, I probably will finish that in like a day. Good name. I got a couple. I got one question. Uh, you said you're playing on the hard equivalent. Are the difficulty names funny or cheeky in a way? I don't think so. Oh, darn. Okay. I don't remember, to be that, honest with you. I okay. just picked hard because usually that's where I go with on these kind All of right, things. All right, I'm writing my beta report now. It says make funny difficulty names. They do have the um, the face at the bottom of the screen like in Doom. Okay. okay. And your guy goes from a regular guy to as he takes damage it rips his face off and becomes a terminator face okay yeah so that's right. kind of cool <laughs> that's pretty good that's kind of cool uh it's just like uh oh i the war is against chaos that chaos you say yeah demons yeah let me, let me, demons wait pull up some limp biscuit uh, and yeah t- <laughs> um we we fight demons that are coming through portals tell me if you've heard this before <laughs> what um what? there's are we on a different planet, perhaps? Uh, yeah, we're on a different a, planet. A, a red one? It looks sort of like Mars. <laughs> so, yeah, they wear their influences on their sleeves. I will go back and play Deathloop. I know I will. Um, like I said, I like everything around it. I like the concepts. I like the ward building. I like the way they track things. Um, where, you know, it says, like, uh, like Colt, like, makes... Like little notes, like oh, this weapon only this guy comes and unlocks his case to this weapon on at night, so I, I can come back at night and get this gun, you know, and stuff like that. I like all of that. Just the shooting itself, just arcane style of movement 
works very well for the stealth aspects like you know dishonored in particular it worked really well and like in death loop that has a lot of stealth and stuff it works well for that i just don't like how it feels when that you get into combat because I, it just feels so light i will say one thing i would go for the shift ability first and making sure that is the one you have locked in because once you have the ability to move like oh on rooftops over people, the game becomes like a lot of fun. I would say. Oh, I'm gonna stick with it. Don't get it, me wrong. It's worth checking. More Some of, of it out. is that I know that it will improve as abilities unlock and stuff like that. And because I like the ward and I like the concept, I am willing to stick with it. Um, it was just kind of like when playing through it, and I think some of it is also because I was playing Proteus at the same time, which has good chunky shooting. I just got done playing uh, Wolfenstein: The Old Blood, that has good chunky shooting. I want my, I want some weight to things. Chunky Damn. is the word of the day. Yeah, chunky, <laughs> but I want some weight to it. Like um, any, especially in the past few years, the shooters I enjoy the most has some weight to things. When things hit, they connect. There was some. There's some power behind it. And when I was getting to combat here for the first time, it's like a section where you're shooting in just the streets. And uh, I realized when I was hitting the enemies, like they don't have like good feedback on the hits. So enemies just kind of stand there and take bullets and shoot back at you. And I want some chunk to it, man. I want to feel like I'm doing something. And uh, also I realized I was, I was already so mobile that it was a completely valid strategy just to run away from everybody and they wouldn't catch me. And that kind of disappointed me because I was able to just like sprint away when I was low in health and just be like, ah, fuck all y'all. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just, the, the combat itself kind of put me off, but I like everything else that surrounds it. So I'm going to give it enough time to get some abilities in me because I know that's when things are supposed to heat up. But the first initial impression just kind of, I was like, man, everything around this is great, but I wish this didn't feel like an arcane game. I wish somebody put some weight to this thing. And I imagine that will improve with the the abilities, but yeah, Deathloop. It didn't it didn't strike me the way I wanted it to. I was ready, my body was ready, but the game just didn't 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 make me feel the way I had hoped. I kind of want to go back to it and see if I can load a near end save because apparently they made some improvements on that ending, so it might be worth checking out. I don't know if I want to watch it. I want to like try to see if I can make that ending run. Yeah, yeah. One more time. It'll be better just to actually experience it. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I've been down this episode. Like I was like Skyward Sword. I just can't care. <laughs> and the Death Loop. I just, uh, I just, you know, the combat didn't grab me. And like I said, I was actually pleasantly surprised when the Modern Warfare beta. <laughs> I thought it was actually not bad. The community still sucks on Modern Warfare. I uh, also made the Go mistake figure. of watching a couple of TikToks, which now TikTok thinks like I'm a Call of Duty fan. So it's just feeding me guys with backward hats and monster energy drinks being like, Cody, Modern Warfare 2 has already ruined the game with this new meta. And it's like, motherfucker, it was a three-day beta. I've heard so many people mad about uh, rank-based matchmaking. Uh, they're mad about... My favorite thing was, this is just me like from the TikTok algorithm feeding me <laughs> all guys with backward hats. And Monster Energy drinks to tell me why Modern Warfare 2 has ruined the ba the uh, the meta. Uh, the things they are mad about, it has it, it was impossible for me to fully grasp because it is a beta. Like they blamed a lot about the the rank base you know matchmaking, 
um, which strikes me as they probably want to go into lobbies with people significantly not as skilled as them so they can have all their clips. Because if you see like a lot of these guys who are big in like Warzone, they would post clips of them like wiping like six and seven people. And they're obviously very good at this game, but they also seem like they're playing bots. Like the people they are killing like don't face the right direction when they're getting shot. <laughs> or proceed to take like two bullets and run away and just get shot in the back. And it's like, yes, you should probably play people in a in more competitive level of skill with you. You shouldn't be playing these people. Um, also, they complain a lot about, like, gun balance already in a beta, which is all about finding out how balance should work. It was very odd. It seems like it's a very reactionary thing, and it's one of the things that turns me off of, like, most multiplayer games is communities that are so obsessed with everything sucking that you forget to enjoy the game. It turned me off of Apex. But I think Apex was Apex that. got like that, where everything sucked. And it's like, okay, well, why are you even playing this? You get into a game, and your entire squad would be like, don't have a Sentinel. Sentinels are broken. And it's like, last week you told me Sentinels suck. Is it Overwatch 2 next week? Yeah, I saw that. As a guy who cared very deeply about Overwatch for a long time, I just, I, I sit there, and I'm like, it just doesn't feel like a sequel. It, it feels like a stopgap kind of thing, and I'm like looking at it, and... I don't know. I the older I've gotten, the less I care about those kind of competitive multiplayer experiences. I want things that are a lot more, less kind of like that esportsy kind of vibe. Because the more esportsy it gets, the less fun people seem to have with it. Like everyone wants to get in and be like, "We gotta be super competitive." It's like yeah, it's a video game. Let's have a little bit of fun. It's a Tuesday at seven o'clock. Let's actually enjoy ourselves. Oh, I'll check it out. I, I I liked Overwatch for a very very long time, and when I fell off, I fell off around the same time they did the forced um, team comp, where you had to have two defensive, two offensive. I mean, two offensive, two supports, and two tanks or whatever. Gotcha. It was. You should be able to put five Lucios on the well, team together. Well, it became a thing where that was the winning strategy to have that kind of team comp. And instead of finding a way to balance around that, they just made that the game. And that's when I stopped caring. Because I had more fun when you did stupid shit. Like, we've got a Bastion, a Junkrat. Like, we just have, like, maximum damage output with no heals. And when you win like that, it was just hilarious. Like, I had a lot of fun beating very sweaty teams just using junk rat and stuff like that, just spamming people because it was just insanity. <laughs> and like you were a glass cannon team, you just get wiped out if you if things went one thing went wrong. But it was fun, you know, yeah. like a video game. What? <laughs> and the, just the le- the less esports in my life I can get, the more happy I am. I just can't care. Um, which is why I do a podcast talking about old video games that aren't multiplayer games. <laughs> but um, brings you enjoyment. Back yeah, games a little bit. I, no, yeah. I, like I said, I think it comes from I played a lot of competitive multiplayer games for a very, very, very long time, and the way the scenes in those games have changed, they've changed a lot into these very competitive, like we play like the pros play kind of scenes, 
and it's like that's just does not appeal to me like you, at all. You don't you can't bounce around with online games now. It's like you no you have you to pick, pick one, one. and it's like this is your this is your hobby now. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't play video games. I play Call of Duty. Like I, I meet and I meet a lot of people like that, where it's like I only play one game. I play it for four years, and that's fine. Yeah, but it leads to this kind of environment of. Well, you have to play like this. Why don't you have this gun? That's the meta gun. Well, that's also the boring gun. I don't want that gun. I want to see if I can kill people with this bolt-action rifle with no scope. You know, it's like I like that kind of level of enjoyment in my video games. I don't want to be playing meta stuff. It just doesn't interest me. Um, And I I feel less and less video games kind of lead into that. I think the last game that I really, truly enjoyed without having to deal with that bullshit was like the first few weeks of like Halo Infinite where it's like this is classic Halo feeling and yeah. then all of a sudden the meta started sneaking in and I was like ah fuck all these people <laughs> every time I get into this damn game people are like hey bro you gotta push Central don't you know that's okay they're gonna add some content to change this up right yeah I was hoping yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're gonna add some content to change this up we'll right? get like actual team SWAT eventually and stuff like that but no <laughs> have they added anything to that? I fell off of ha- the fact that I fell fell off a Halo game that fast um, and it was like zero to sixty, like I the, fell the in turn. Love with it. Yeah, I loved that game when it came out. I was so excited. I I liked the the campaign, the open world campaign stuff. I had a ball playing that. Um, the multiplayer was great, and then just nothing was added, <laughs> and just nothing was added, <laughs> and then nothing was added, and then they added some cosmetics that weren't that great. And it's like I don't want new weapons. I just wanted maps. Just give me maps. And I didn't get anything. <laughs> so I don't know what they've added. Maybe I'll get back into that and see if anything's changed. But I don't see anything. Like, I don't see, you know, any news. Like, here's a new map dropped for Halo Infinite. Like, It's always like, we're at, we're not adding features to Halo Infinite seems to be the news. Yeah, or <laughs> here's a, a helmet that's got cat ears. And it's like, okay, cool. But it'd be nicer if we had a new map. <laughs> Halo 2 had a whole disc with the maps. Like, they released a, a second disc that was like eight maps or nine maps. I remember buying that from the fucking GameStop. Come on. <laughs> All right, we spent 35 minutes bitching about video games. Well, I have. I've apparently. How about another hour of it? <laughs> yeah, let's bitch about another. It's, I think that might be why I'm irritable because I, I. Yeah. Oh, I have to do my uh, Warhammer Kill Team update real quick. Uh, I played two games. I lost both of them. I lost one pretty bad. Good update. <laughs> I lost the second one. I played a new player. I played, a, I think his name was Victor, a friend of Nick's. Uh, very, very competitive game. We went to the last round deep into it. I think I lost by like two points. Huh. Uh, but uh, it was good to play somebody new. Um, he played a good game. His first game he ever played, and he, he played a good game. So uh, I feel better about my team after playing him because Nick's team is still broken. If you take anything from this show, know that Nick plays a broken team. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Batman Arkham Asylum. Let's talk about let's Batman Arkham Asylum. Um, I think that's where my rage comes from. Because the more I think about this, the more this section here really... It wasn't bad. It just didn't live up to the great how great the first part was. Every time I think of Arkham Asylum, I realize I think about two things. I think about, man, this game is freaking awesome. Which mostly comes from the first half. And, man, that last boss fight is stupid. <laughs> There is a lot of good stuff in this game. Um, and as we get into this this section, 
uh, second part here, they, it stays strong for a little while. So if you listen last time, uh, we ended after the Harley fight. Which, for some weird reason, when I started up my save here, it made me replay yeah, it. Yeah, right. It make you yes. Do that? I, I swear it saved. It saved. I know. Because I got done. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Because uh, we're both playing the remastered yeah. edition, right? Um, I beat Harley. I listened to her talk in the cell a few times. So let her you know, get some dialogue. I think uh, Batman talks to Barbara about her and his next plan. You, and I you scan, swear it saved. You scanned her for prints, and yeah. then I got the Mr. Freeze uh, riddle and was like, all right. Yeah, I swear we'll it saved. Right here. But it, I had to do the riddle again. I was like, why did nothing save from this It section? was very weird. Right. Okay, it wasn't just me. No, it's not just you. I, I had to do the same thing. Um, it stays strong here for a little bit because what you get is you're going to progress. I believe the next you, – you get told that basically uh, Joker's – Running some of his Titan formula stuff in the garden. Yeah, correct. Uh, That's so, where the uh, the Titan production plant is. Yeah, so that's where you're told, "Hey, this is well my next kind of place to go visit." It gives us another trail to follow with uh, Harley's, you know, prints. Um, I, I I go back and forth on that. They go to that well a lot. Where it's the you know, follow a trail of something. Is this the last one they make you do? So it might just be uh, front loaded. Then yes, because I think this is the last one because everywhere else you get a uh, just an objective marker because you're going because after that point you're backtracking. So I think it was just a way of being like these uh, new players don't know how to navigate this space, so we need to guide them through it essentially is what i yeah might take it as no i agree with you um i just kind of wish they would have found a, a better way of doing it because it was yes i believe this you you are right this is the last time they do it but you did it in the first part like you had to do it like seven or eight times i can think of three others the um you did the, alco- the alcohol on the guard's breath the tobacco smoke you did the uh, sharp's blood, sharp's blood, and then the fingerprints. But then you also there might did be the one doctor. more. You did the doctor, the um, doctor's fingerprints. Yeah, so oh, that's right. five. That's, there was a lot, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And I get what you're saying, and I, this is why I go back and forth on it. I like that it's a unique way of making of giving you like a line to go follow. Which was, if you think about when this came out, there was a lot of games that were doing like big glowing lines to follow, you know, and to navigate environments. I always think about the Dead Space way of navigating environments, which is putting your hand down and just a straight fucking line that tells you where to go. Uh, which I don't think is bad, actually, but you know like, what I mean. I feel like games in this era, they were overcompensating to some of the, like the, even like the rigid design of the past were being like, we don't want players to get lost. We need to hold their hand through every aspect i always go back to the podcast that irrational did where they talk about playtesting uh bioshock and they had a guy in the playtesting group who never left the the biosphere because the game didn't tell him to the game didn't tell him to leave so he stood there and got mad at the uh, the game because the game never told him to leave the biosphere and i always think about that guy because 2007 yeah that would be around when they were designing 
starting to design Arkham Asylum. Yeah, I always think about that guy because they talk about it in their podcast. It was the old podcast, Irrational. I don't even know if it's available anymore. If you can find it, it was fascinating. It was about Irrational around the time that they were walking on Infinite. Um, uh it, they talked about a lot about playtesting. He's like, we have to playtest for that person just as much as the hardcore video gamer who knows, you know, how to adventure around an environment. And that was their justification for like things like the the glowing arrow and Bioshock and stuff like that, were pointed to you. You know, it was like an arrow or something. They they justified. Oh, right, I remember turning it off. Yeah, but you yeah you turned it off, but mm-hmm. it was there. You know, yeah. because of people like that. Um, but I get that that's kind of probably what they were thinking about, and I like that they tried to come up with a Batman-y thing to get, to do that with. Yeah. But boy, is it kind of, was it just, I think they went to the well too many times. Yeah, because through a portion of this game, you're looking at the world through a color filter. And, and then the, once, you, and once you get, like, to the sewers especially with all the planets growing, I'm like, man, there's some sections in this game where the color work in this game is beautiful. The, um... Especially in the sewers, like the purples, greens, and reds pop out more than any other color. The sewer section in particular is very visually stunning. And the fact that like when you were in there, like in several sections of this game before, you're looking at it through a purple or a gray color filter. Or like when you go out into the island itself. And you're looking out over the bay and you see like the lights in the distance. That stuff's beautiful. And the fact that a lot of the game, when like you were following like Sharp's blood or Harley's handprints and stuff, like you could have that filter on, and it just kind of you're missing out, you know. And even like I go back and forth on the filter, even on things like combat, because yes, it's very effective to know where the enemies are at all times. But if you just turn that on every time you enter a room with the guys, as you gotta do like the takedown sequences, it becomes very. Um, detached you're just staring at red skeletons through blue lenses and it loses some of the the i think the fun of it yeah i wish there was a way to maybe like i wish they would have leaned into like an option like you could scan yeah like a scan the environment see where things are and then it's not something that's like a filter you have to turn on and i it's all hindsight they make it everything that i'm gonna bring up to have a problem with has a solution in the next game, Arkham City. For example, they, you have enemies during the stealth sequences with the jammer, so you can't use their detective vision. So you have to knock them out. So when you do get it back, you're more like you can more likely to use it. But you're also like, I know where everyone is based on play. I have a feel for this space. Also, so not- City is kind of an open world game, so you don't have all of the hunting a straight line to follow a trail stuff that this seems to have. I don't remember that in City as much. It was more like visual cues in the environment. I was like, I gotta get to the Iceberg Lounge. It's a, a giant building. You can't miss it. Go well, also, you had a map that just you could pull up and, you know. I mean, there's a map here, too. But. Yeah, but there was times where the map would tell you where they were at, but then it would give you the, the trail, too. Yeah. Well, no. On the trail stuff, you never got a map because you're supposed to follow the trail. I wish they, like, it would have been better to give you both options. Because, like, as a player who can navigate the environment, it would be nice to just say, like, hey, you can go to the medical wing, and or you could follow, you know, Gordon's tobacco. And it's like, okay, let me just follow, let me go to the medical wing. 
I can find the medical wing instead of following this, you know, little trail. Because there was times where it's like, in like this Harley section right here, where Harley takes a specific route to go up a ladder or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I could have just used my grappling hook and got up there in two seconds, but instead I walked around the damn place to follow her. Um, it sounds like I'm being negative, and I'm not trying to be, but I feel like they just front load that one mechanic too much. And it just got to the point where I was like, man, I'm looking at the ward through this blue lens a whole lot. And I really don't like looking at the ward through this blue lens. Um, but, you know, we're following Harley's trail to go to the gardens. I like the gardens. It's a cool environment. Um, there's a bit of story stuff here where there's radio speculating that because Batman hasn't been seen for a while that uh, Batman's, like, the media has declared Batman dead just because they haven't seen him for a while. Um, Scott, or uh, Ryder, I think. Yeah, right. He's like Jack the radio, yeah. radio man who's, uh, you hear throughout the game a couple of different times. Yeah, um, and on the way to the gardens, this is where all the main enemies kind of disappear, and now you have the jumper dudes. Yeah. You have to time the um, counter right so you slam them down. So. Or you just punch them. I just punch them. <laughs> just punch them fast before they can get at you, and then do the the ground pound to finish them off. But I do like that. I like when they they change up the like um, navigation of those uh, open areas, like when you get the snipers. Yeah, like I thought the snipers were a really cool uh, enemy addition because you had to kind of nav before instead of just running to the next spot, you actually had to play a little bit more stealthy. Dodge the snipers, take them out so you can get into buildings. Um, they do that later with the uh, the ivy plants. I hate the plants. Yeah, they're not great, but they, they at least try to mix things up on those areas. That's when I realized I, for my upgrades, I did not put any at this point in health because I'm like, if I'm good at the game, I don't need health upgrades. And then all of a sudden, I have an enemy that will knock out my entire health bar. With just if I'm pelted with all those pellets. So if I t- miss my timing and do the punch on the plants and they're sending their bullets at me, I can die instantly from that. So that's why I was like, all right, so the next four upgrade slots are going to be this health for my health. So yeah. Because I'll need it for a few of those uh, behemoth fights coming up. Yeah, the behemoths, if they catch you, do a lot of damn damage. Um, you can get charge. you can get stuck into a corner with them and some guys. Yeah, they yeah. can kind of juggle you a little bit. Um, when you get to the gardens, this is when you uh, you kind of surprise Joker, I believe, uh, to shut down his Titan plant. But do we meet Ivy before that? We meet we... Ivy near the end of the section. Okay, so because we... we that's the clue we need to like leave. Yeah, to go back. to Croc's location. There are some stealth challenges here the first one with like the main garden area is really fun and there's another one where they do something cool here where you have there's a guy at the top of the like control tower oh yeah I like that this. has uh uh the switch to to kill civilians so you gotta sneak past the other guys to knock the guy down at the top and then you can go down i really down. really like that i like this section that too. was really cool i like when they do the stealth stuff and they add little bitty like extra to it um and they do that throughout this pretty well like they start bombing the gargoyles and every uh they don't overuse the gimmicks too much or layer too much on top of each other so the stealth sections with the exception of one are their best in this where you have to think it's like okay you got the basis for how to use the stealth system so now we're going to 
here's the big open room that you've been before, but we're going to take the gargoyles away. So now what are you going to do? So or, they, yeah, it, it encourages you, you to like do like the window takedowns or like do be underneath the grating and do takedowns that way. So no, I like that a lot. Or like, hey, you can't take down a guy because it's going to alert them that you're in the room and they'll drop somebody. Yeah, it, it was really, I really like when they started to make those stealth sections a lot harder. I feel like the stealth sections in this are probably the strongest. The combat got to be a chore. Um, I agree with that, spot. yes. Um, speaking of like when you ambush Joker here, um, they do like another behemoth fight. This is where you fight and, two dudes with Titan. It's like, you take down one, now here's two. And there's like some cool stuff, like you can ride one of them and smack the other one around and smack the smaller dudes. All that's fun, but it's just like, I felt like I was just doing fights just to pad the game. And I never felt like that with the stealth stuff. The stealth stuff always, like, when I entered a room and I was like, okay, I gotta take down these guys in the stealth mode, I was excited. When I just walked into a room and here comes 20 guys... It was like, oh, okay, shit, let's get through this. Yeah. Um, the combat definitely improves in City because they start finding new kind of enemy variants. Like, you get guys with, like, riot shields and stuff like that. Where here, you only really have the knife guys and the guys with the batons. Um, and occasionally, they give guys with guns they'll mix in there. But if you just beat that one guy up first, usually you're fine. Or Batarang or... <coughs> I nearly, apparently I nearly died. <laughs> <coughs> that wasn't me judging your opinion. That was just me choking to death. Um, no, yeah. Batarang the guy with the gun. And you go also, in. Do you have some of like, the leapers in combat, or are those mostly kept separate? I can't remember if there was a combat sequence that they had like one or two of those. I never had to. leapers in with I, the rest of the I guys. I think they're in the challenge maps where you get them mixed together, but I don't know if like in this in these series of combat sections if they have those. I don't think I ever did. Now, you're playing on hard. Yeah. So you might have got them mixed in. I never did. Okay. I don't think I did. I don't remember. I just know I didn't have uh, counter icons. Yeah. And those plants hit a lot harder. But Yeah, I think the plants probably... Because I was able to run through them sometimes. I was not. If I run through two, I'm dead. So There was times where I was like, I just don't want to deal with these. I'm just going to run. Sometimes I run them. Sometimes I won't. That's what I tried to do. It didn't work. Yeah. Um, you stop, you know, I feel like once the story becomes about Titan, it kind of takes a, a downturn. You're not meeting any new interesting characters. You're not seeing any new takes on, like, this Arkham universe. It's just like, here's Titan. You're going to fight a lot of enemies with Titan. And, um, it, they're going to say the word Titan every other sentence of this. Yeah, I feel like once the story becomes about Joker and Titan... I lose a lot of my like deep passion for the story. I really, I, I really think they didn't need that. It could have been just about Batman being locked in the asylum, having to put things right, it's, and then at the end you have to bring down Joker, you know, King of the Asylum, and take back over. Like, because it, there's an escalation, even like in Batman comics, especially some where it's like, it doesn't be the main conflict doesn't become about defeating Batman anymore. It becomes. I'm gonna destroy Gotham City, and it's like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> that's a that's a comic problem. Yeah, um, a lot of comics, it's the glowing beam in the sky. Yeah, exactly. Where the, it's it's a major problem I've I've found recently. The, yeah, like it's one of the reasons why I've fallen off of superhero comics 
is almost every story ends with a glowing beam in the sky. A lot of superhero movies fall into this. I, I immediately thought of the Amazing Spider-Man, where it's the beam in the sky, and there's a like a leveling bar that Gwen Stacy has to put out that says like wizard uh, transformation in progress. I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> Suicide Squad. The first Suicide Squad had a beam in the sky. Um, the Avengers had a beam in the sky. Like, I don't want to... My story doesn't need a big MacGuffin. I, sometimes the story can be about two people having a conflict. And I think this would have been better if it was just like... Joker decides the best way to kill Batman is to lock him in the asylum with him and all of his villains. And Batman has to overcome all of his villains and set things right in the asylum. And at the end, you show down with Joker and you beat Joker and you throw him in his cell and haha, I bested you. It doesn't need to be about like a big MacGuffin weapon. And Titan is that MacGuffin weapon where it's like, oh, but it's the Titan. And it's like, I just, once it became about Titan... It's highly corrosive. This is going to do something to Gotham. I was like, is, he, is, well, he's like, is he, his plan to turn Gotham into giant, like, Titan creatures? Well, or is it to corrode... Or is it corrode... It. Or does it corrode the city? Like, it's never fully spelled yeah. out, but it doesn't really need to be. Because if they took the time to explain his Grandmaster plan, my eyes would have just glazed over at that point. I really, so, yeah, I really realized from a story point of view, things take a massive downturn when it becomes about Titan. It's mostly go now. The story is go here, get the thing, leave now. Go here, get the thing. Exactly. Leave, go here, get the thing. But some there's some individual moments in this section that we haven't got to that are freaking great. Yeah, and some of the highlights of this game. Let's so, get to some of those because yeah. I I feel like this is a very negative show. <laughs> and feel free to cut some of my bitching about Skyward Sword because some of that was just me sitting there being like I don't know if I care about Skyward Sword. <laughs> um, but I sit here and I yeah you stop Joker's little Titan production facility. You meet Ivy, who Ivy. You get information that Ivy basically says, "Hey, there's a plant." In My the babies sewers, are crying, <laughs> and you got to go there, and it's not really even explained why though why there's a plant. Because you gotta go somewhere. Else. You got you have we have a detailed crocodile that you need to go deal with. Wouldn't it have been cooler though to like have Joker blow an elevator while you were coming after him, and you end up in the sewers? Yeah, like you just don't need to make it about one big threat. Sometimes it can just be like that. Batman's chasing Joker, and Joker blows the floor out from under him, and now you're in the sewers with Croc. I just, yeah, it, 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 I feel like they rely on that very heavily. I think before that, though, we get another Scarecrow sequence, don't we? Uh, no, yeah, yes. there is before that. But before that, you go to Arkham Mansion, get a thing, and then you, I don't remember what you get. You get something from Cash, and then you leave. He gives you, like, basically information about how to get... He gives you, like, information about how to get down to Croc. That's right. And then it becomes not necessary. Because you do the, the Scarecrow stuff... Well, we cut about... And that fi- leads you to Croc. Well, we cut about 15 more minutes, so that should look good on a box. It right. was it was very padding <laughs> feeling. I was sitting there... I was like, why did I come all the way here? Because you have to use the line launcher to get past those plants in a puzzle that does, didn't... I feel like I cheesed that solution because I fell in the mist and then ended up where I wanted to go. Yeah, those times if you get farther enough, it'll just let you pop back up on the other side. Also, I found a way to get there without having to use the line launcher because I could glide. And it was 
causing me to kick into like like escape thing, even though I clearly was on the steps. That was frustrating. <laughs> I was like, it's not my problem that you know I just didn't solve it in your way. I solved it, but um, yeah, it's a whole lot of nothing. That's why we're kind of bypassing it because it's not really interesting. Um, but we get. I'm sorry. Yeah, we get another scarecrow stuff here. Yeah, this we um, we do the the gargoyle bit that we already touched on, and then you're just walking through, and the game freaks out. I love this. Which section. we had a lot of weather this weekend, so I didn't think my game just froze and got me. Yeah, there was <laughs> a hurricane that came through. So, <laughs> but no, it's it's a great sequence. I love the replaying of the sequence from the beginning as Joker driving Batman to the asylum and like walking through as Joker with Harley, you know, and having Batman be, uh, it's the entire opening, se- or a shorter version of the opening sequence with Batman and all the villains. Like, uh, Ventriloquist is on the screen talking as his, as Sharp, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was really, really good. It's one of the battle, the Scarecrow stuff is really good here. I like a lot of the Scarecrow stuff. He might be uh, some of the highlights of the game for me. Yeah, he for really sure. is good. And once again, you don't need Titan. Oh. To have Scarecrow here. Just have this be about Batman dealing with the Asylum, and he keeps running into Scarecrow. And eventually he has to find a way to stop him. There, was, You mentioned Sharp. I realized after I did the editing last time that I talked about a voice I, actor whose performance I didn't necessarily love that I actually did not mention on the last show. It was Sharp. Pip, pip, cheerio. Yeah, he's very, me. I'm the Asylum guy. He, I was he's like, almost... It's too much. Yeah, he's so over that, the top. That was the one I I realized I forgot to touch on that, but no, you I hundred percent agree with yeah, you though. Okay. It's not very good. Anyway, <laughs> um, you get Joker. You go back once he unveils like the the mask. It um uh, goes to your perspective as Joker shoots you, and you get a game over screen. And at, for you're like, is this a trick or did I really get a game over? Because the tip section I had to think about for a section. It says use the middle stick to dodge Joker's gunfire. So you're like, oh, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good bit. Yeah, it's pretty funny. That actually, I didn't pick up on that. That's really good. <laughs> but then you do a lot of the the scarecrow sequences here. I think those are fine. Um, they go back to the well that a couple of times, but they'll. This is one too many. Th- this one feels like one too many. Like, that should have been, like, this should have been a shorter, see, it should have been, they should have cut the stealth sequence here and just done, like, the little mini boss fight thing. Yes, where that you was have cool. to fight the, the guys and shut on the different lights. Yeah, the stealth sequence, at this point, you get the, the, the get, you get the drift of it, drift, eh. <laughs> you, you get the, you get it, you get it. It's been a long fucking day. Um, <laughs> but you get it. And, uh, yeah, I don't need to do it again. But the boss fight would have been fine. Just leave it there. You know, a little bit of editing on this would have been okay. But um, I like that it leads you to Croc's location. Almost like you didn't need to do all the other bullshit before you got here. Because you, you know, are chasing Scarecrow down into the sewers. And then Scarecrow, of course, gets attacked by Croc. He gets got. He gets got. And I like the fact that, spoiler to the end, but he gets a little stingle at the end. Like, ah, I'm still alive, you know. See you, see you in uh, two games. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, y'all really think there's going to be Scarecrow next time, don't y'all? <laughs> um, but 
it leads you to another super strong section here, which is Croc's Lair, which I really, really enjoy. They build up Croc to be like the most threatening and the most dangerous of Batman's foes in the asylum. And it walks. Yeah, this section's tense. <laughs> Walking slowly, try not to trigger Croc. When you do trigger him, throw in the Batarang real quick to hit him in the... Because he's fast. you got to be on your Yeah, he guard comes out in different yeah. directions. Those times where it will just attack you from below and you have to just take off running and dodge him that way. Um, it lasts just long and it's not too short, but it doesn't last too long to ever say it's welcome. And then when you have to do that long trek back, that feels good because also it's really it, tense. It makes Batman look super intelligent because he does the big explosion at the beginning at the before beginning. you go in. And instantly I realized how that was going to work. And at first I actually tried to trigger Croc <laughs> and get him to run in. He won't follow you in. But I like that fact of like Batman's thinking like two steps ahead, and so here he triggers it and you know tries to and gets Croc to run over it. You blow it at the last second to take care of Croc. You can use the line launcher to skip to move faster through sections. Oh, I didn't do that, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, because you're not touching the floor, but at the same time you have a less of a window whenever he attacks because you got to jump down and be ready for that. That's but that's cool. one way that you can move faster. So you can also you don't have to walk slow. You can crouch. And move at a normal speed too. So there's multiple ways to go about this. This section is really cool, really tense. I really like it. It's really good. Um, the last, I think, major highlight of the game. Yeah, that, that the, we'll get it. I think there's one more decent one, but this is the highest point from this point on. Yeah. Uh, th- this is. I wrote, haha. This is the well sequence from Sonic Adventure. Because there's a bit where you're running towards the camera and Croc yeah. is knocking out pillars behind you. So. But it's so good. <laughs> it it's is so good. good. I like it. I really like the Croc sequence. I think it looks good. I kind of want to take that and edit the music from Sonic Adventure 1. And that Probably sequence. should. Yeah, It'd be fun. Um, after getting the magic MacGuffin plants, we uh, go back to our little makeshift bat cave and make a cure. Also, Ivy's like uh, roots are everywhere. Ivy got the Titan. She got Titan, so she got super buffed up. Um, so now all of her like plants are taking over the island. We gotta go back to the Bat Cave and get the Ultra Bat Claw. Do do do. Our kind of last big upgrade. Now yeah. there's a couple of like optional upgrades, like the Sonic Batarang and things like that. And the Remote Control Batarang. Remote Control Batarang. This kind of cool. Um, Sonic Batarang is a bit hit or miss. Is like sometimes enemies will go to it, like. But if they're like on a different floor, but right underneath it, they won't hear it and go. It's I, I can never get a grasp for which enemy I was going to lure with that thing. Yeah, it was kind of hit or miss. Um, the whole plants are taking over the island was cool. The plant enemies aren't great. Um, we get attacked at the back cave by plants. There's a good line here where uh, or or Batman is give uh getting relaying information to Oracle, and Oracle's just like. Ah, uh, what what now? <laughs> it's pretty good. And I, she, she does research, and my favorite Batman line is here. It's really small, but Oracle says, I'm not sure if you're ready to hear this, and Batman says, no, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. There's a cool moment we did skip over where Batman calls in the Batwing to bring in the uh, line launcher. Yeah. And it's a cool sequence where it flies in over the glass, um, uh, open, you know, 
overhang yeah and shoots it through in a missile you know <laughs> it's just it's so extra f- to drop this one piece of equipment but it walks batman has a flair for the dramatic it yeah works for he him. like he likes even when he does the croc thing he draws a gigantic bat bats <laughs> it could have just been just a scribble or something uh, it has to be a bat um he, he loves marketing i didn't like the stealth sequence here where you have to um you have to use the uh, sonic frequencer to disable as you're like, as there's two layers of guys here. It's in, it's in the caves. It's the one cell sequence. In the oh, cave. yeah, yeah. I know you what go, you're talking about. You yeah. go left or right. Left is the com. Left and right. The left is the combat sequence where you have to. The right is the stealth it's sequence. It's the two control rooms. Yeah, I did not. I could not wrap my head around this one. For some reason, the layout, I got seen no matter where I was doing a stealth takedown. If you come into that initial room, there's a guy who walks beyond that, like, first opening yeah and you want to grab him and do the stealth check uh takedown but there's too many angles yeah on him but then entering the room with him there you're going to get seen i did it but it was very sloppy it was very sloppy kind of way of doing it i didn't it wasn't it felt like there was just a little bit too many angles and not enough opportunity for you to do stealth there was a couple of spots where you can take down walls yeah. in there that could make it a little bit easier but I felt like getting to them was a little bit tough because I would well multiple times because it took me a long time to nail I would I lined up three of them next to a wall where the Riddler trophy was in the corner here I pull it down going I'm not gonna knock all these dudes out they just got alerted they didn't uh, it didn't knock anybody out I was yeah. like why didn't that work that should have worked no nah, um, yeah it was not my favorite and I did, the other one's just I, a, you had to get the angle right for the one the wall in the middle when you're doing the um uh explosive gel because sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't but i'm once i got that I, it didn't feel good I, again it, it felt sloppy me doing that i was like man if they just had like a like a wall or another divider here this would have fixed some problems but this was the weakest stealth section i thought and then the other one's not great either it's just locks you in a room and makes you fight titans and goons it was just, I feel like this was very much padding again. Yeah. That's the story of this second half of this game is a lot of padding. Um, you shut down the two control rooms, um, and now you have to go take down Ivy. Uh, the process of getting to Ivy is just kind of frustrating because you have all those plants around. I'm an idiot and spent way too long in the entryway of the gardens because you walk in, there's a plant dividing here. So I thought, oh, I'm not supposed to be, I have to find a narrow way. So I walk, walk around the entire botanical gardens going where am i supposed to go so i I did the thing the cardinal sin of looking it up going where i don't remember this i'm trying to get through this and then it was like go left you idiot yeah i was like that's turn around i felt so stupid (laughs) just Um, right in the door i just didn't look left to see the entryway (laughs) yes and no but like how many times is that a problem in games where it's like the way to go is hidden behind like a bookshelf and the game has in the game, at several points in this very game, you walk in and you're blocked, and you have to be like, "Oh, gotta find an early There's out." There's times where, like, you walk in and Harley's there, like, "You can't come in here, B man." Like, you know, the game does that, so it's kind of taught you to to have to figure that kind of stuff out. Um, the Harley, the Ivy fight is pretty good. The concept that you're just like dodging her attacks is like a side-scrolling level. Throwing uh, batarangs into which he opens up whole plants. In terms of boss fights, this might be the best boss fight in the game. If you if you don't call the killer croc section a boss yeah, fight, yeah, this I think is the best boss fight in the game because it requires not only is it a bunch of like waves of goons. There's also like 
strategy here and dodging the plants attacks and everything you can if you have a free rain a bit you can just throw batarangs at the armored section and you'll chip off a little bit of health each time to make it easier yeah. but this was a little difficult and hard since the camera is so pulled back it's hard to tell when enemies are going for that punch or if they're just like repositioning yeah so that was that took me a couple times after the main thing but it was it always felt like oh that was my fault here it didn't feel like the i would say yeah. it's it's if you don't consider croc a boss fight it's definitely up there i think bane's boss fight wasn't bad because that was before we had fatigue of the titans and we were like this is fun yeah bane was fine because he's a he's a named character and i thought that was fine now but like in hindsight after all the titan fights it loses its specialness yeah but no, I think it's fine. I like the fact that you put the gel on the casing right in front of her and then blow it up. <laughs> like, yeah, watch You this. can see her go uh, freak She's out. She's like, oh, no, on. what are you doing? It's like, oh, you're about to find out, ain't you? <laughs> um, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I thought it was a good boss fight. Um, you leave and there's fireworks. How nice. How quaint. I like the whole setup for this where we go to the party room. This bit is hilarious. Been. I like that they stop you at the door and, like, you gotta have your name on the list. Hey... B. Let's see, Bane, Batman. You you can fight these guys. Oh, I, I beat the shit out of. I thought body. it was fun just to walk in. <laughs> I was like, Batman ain't letting these guys walk away. Like when you walk into the room and they're all cheering for you. I walked all the way to the door, then I turned around. I was like, uh, before I go in, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> um, but oh man, things go downhill quick. We walk in, Joker. We, there's a cool sequence at the booth. Well, Joker's sitting there. It's where, all first person. With well, the, yeah. if you go in there before, mm-hmm. you can come across that TV there before. Yeah. But here, when he lifts up the TV, and it's actually Joker, and it's the, it explodes. All oh, that's cool. But when you go in, and Joker's on top of his mound of uh, mannequins, and he's got his two Titan thugs here. He has, he has um, Scarface yeah. in his hand. This could have been fun if you got rid of all the Titan stuff, and that's just where you find Joko at the end. Mm-hmm. He's on his mountain of mannequins. It's a cool sequence. They made a big throne for himself and all this stuff. Or if, if, or if he was introduced another villain, it was like, I couldn't do, have done this myself, and he hits the button and like... Or he's got... Yeah. Or that's when you deploy Bane. He's like, that's his last like line of defense. His last bodyguard is Bane. Or you could have done something like that. But the fact is, like, and here's two titans to fight. Cool. With a whole bunch of enemies. And this is where you'll get thrown around in the corner and well, smacked. and I never lost. I lost to, like, I, I got beat, like, three times. But it's never because I was, like, it was because I was rushing. Yeah. Because I didn't care. I was just like, let's beat these guys and get this over with. Um, Even Batman in this story is pissed. He's just done with the whole thing. Yeah. He's like, let's wrap this up. But then you get the ending. Well, like. Batman's injected with Titan, but he's Batman, so he resists it long. So Joker acts like he's going to do the suicide thing and then shoots himself with the Titan, and we all know. And Joe, well, Batman uses the um, the cure on himself. He doesn't do that. He does that right before the fight starts. Yeah, but... But, but this is after Joker turns into a giant... Venom Joker. Uh, uh, I hate this so much. <laughs> okay, so so many problems here. One, you don't even really fight him. You just dodge him <laughs> until he climbs up there to talk to helicopters, and then you pull him down. <laughs> and that's it. Three times. I didn't... 
on hard, I've died to some of these bosses, like, most of these bosses, like, once, with the exception of what, even, well, no, Killer Croc got me a few times, but, um, I, I beat his first try. The final boss was the easiest boss in this entire and game, do, maybe like, besides the, Bane, the first boss. And they make him big and venomized, and then he does jack shit. He has, like, claws that would just go and swing at you, like, three times, and then be like, even, well, let me adjust my adoring public. And he's not even as interesting as the regular Titan enemies. Yeah. And they and they put you in this big arena where it's like he's got Gordon as, like, tied up. He's got the helicopters there he's calling in to witness him killing you. It's got electric walls. It's like a wrestling event. I bet it was. And it's just, like, it feels like nothing. I'm willing to bet it was, but then they realized we can't do another Titan fight here and make it the exact same thing. That'd Maybe be you shouldn't way have done much. so many damn Titan fights then. Exactly. It's... It seems like you just freaking undercut your boss then. This this is probably one of the biggest letdown bosses I've ever seen. Did you remember this? Yes. Stupid I remembered boss. it. Once it started, I was like, oh, yeah, he takes the Titan. Wait, nothing happens here. Like, I, it dawned on me. I was like, this is bad. I don't remember why it's bad, but I remember thinking this is bad. And then when I realized that you just wait for him to talk to helicopters and pull them down. And there's no skill to it. It's not like he turns around and tries to knock the ropes away and you got to do something. There's no, like, timing there. It's just, no, it's just shoot, shoot him, him, pull him down. And you can shoot him when there's still enemies on the ground. You don't have to crawl all the enemies to, like, knock him down. Yeah, so if you want to, like... And even if you and the enemies, they don't even throw the toughest enemies at you. They're the basic. There's no knife enemy. There might be one. There's like one, but there's no guys with guns or anything. It's it's lame. This is a lame ass ending, which is a shame because the game overall was pretty good. But yeah. this ending, it was just the like the best part is that he calls this a special referee match. With yeah, the, but, <laughs> but it's all this build up for nothing. I was just so disappointed. I was just like. Yeah, this is not fun. <laughs> and then the game just kind of ends. Batman puts explosive gel on his fist to punch Joker. That was, you know, what been cool if that was the mechanic. Like you had to get like dodge Joker or maybe make him run into the electric wall, and then you take spray the, time the to... stuff on your hand yeah. and run up and punch him. Like make it a fight between you and Joker, not a bunch of guys and pulling Joker off. And then as you do that, you're knocked back. So you got to make sure like the enemies around you aren't going to take advantage of you while you're knocked down. Have, that's a way to have more strategy. Have like, have Joker swinging and he can hit his own guys. So Joker's like just coming at you and knocking his own guys over and stuff. It could have been so much better. This was just so... If you wanted to do a giant behemoth Joker, which, okay, sure, we roped ourselves into this by the writing standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> so, might as well Once make again, the best of it. Once again, it goes back to the key problem is Titan didn't need to be here. We didn't need to be the, be about Titan. Some boring-ass super chemical, you know? It just... Really disappointing. Batman wins. All the villains get locked away. Joker gets locked away. He's not doing so great. We'll see him in Arkham City. Um... Yeah. And Batman goes off the deal with Two-Face. It's kind of like the ending of Batman Begins where he's handed the Joker card and he's like, I'll look into it. And then flies off. <laughs> it was just like, okay. And from what I thought was actually a pretty good game, it just ends on such a a down. I do like, though, at the at this ending, even though it wraps up really quick, is that it, it's just another night for Batman. Just like, 
Just another night. No, that's fine. I like yeah, that. I, like that. I do like that. I like the fact that he, like Gordon's like, oh, I hear about Two Face on the radio, and like he turns around, Batman's already in his bat, you know, Batwing, mm-hmm. chasing after Two Face. That's all fine. I like that this is just a night in Batman's life, but there's the post credit scene with uh, Scarecrow. There's a Titan crate floating in the water, and you see Scarecrow's hand reach up and grab it, and then pull it down. Yeah, and it's just like okay. Um. It makes me wonder if Arkham City is as good as I remember it. I, man, I, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is. I hope so. Don't scare me like that. <laughs> I might have to go play some of that just to see. I re- I love that game. No, I, I consider that to be one of my favorite games of all time. I remember time this game a lot more better than I, I. I think the first half of this game is great. Yeah, <laughs> but boy, I, I didn't remember it falling apart like this at the end. Neither did I. Like, a lot of this just... And I think that's the thing that's kind of the story of this game is there's a point in which the game just decides to pad itself over and over and over. And I'm just like, you've lost me. Here. The ways it tries to shake up the combat system here aren't as... They'll find much more interesting ways to do it. I feel like there's a lot of ideas on the table. There was, because they said as we like talked about like the prep work for the show and everything, that they had so many ideas when they were building this game for the sequel. And I wonder if that hurt this game. Because they're like, oh, that's a cool idea. Don't put it in this game. We got an, we can put that in the sequel because that makes sense for what we're planning. The fact that they were still, they were already uh, planning the next game while doing this one, it served the next game very, very well. But I think it might have hurt Asylum a bit. In hindsight, yeah. Because I think at the time, so much of this was so new, it worked. But in hindsight... Oh, this game was like held as one of the best comic book games yeah. of all time. Which, if you look in the past... Yeah, it is. No, I'm not going to yeah. say it's a bad game. Look at the previous enemies. like Batman games. Like, Batman Dark Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. That yeah. game sucks. No, I, listen, I think this game is for the time was great. I think there's a lot of great stuff in here. I feel like the, the second half struggles. Especially once you get past Croc. There's a couple of good things here and there, but once you get past Croc, you could almost just drop the game at that point. Yeah, because it's a. But I wouldn't because you only have like two hours yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, I'm not so. saying you would, but you if you told me, hey, I played through Croc, should I go back and replay the game to get to the next? And I would probably be like, no, you you got the good stuff. Um, I think Titan is an unnecessary adding to the story. It could have just been Joker in the asylum being Joker. Um, I think this game is is good it holds up well it's not as good as i thought it was or i I remembered it as you feel like that's a fair assumption that is fair i think i agree with you and now i'm wondering where this falls in relation to origins and night in my mind oh i wonder if origins holds up better than this what if it does what what if it does because that's something i did not think when i played origins but maybe it's one of those things that's better in hindsight. Possibly. Origins has the advantage of coming in after I, City. I am marking that. I'm highlighting that for next season. That would be, that would be fascinating thing. Because after we play... Uh, uh, Origins was one that I was interested in playing, but after Asylum, I'm like, I have to know. I have to I have to put these on a list together. Yeah. To And think about my thoughts on both of these. That would be fascinating. I feel like it's kind of a bummer ending to it, but I think that it was definitely worth revisiting. It's one of the joys of this show to kind of re-put your memories into perspective. I feel like I had a lot... 
But because of that, I feel like I had a lot more to say on the second half than the first half. Because first half, like, it's just a great game. Yeah. Yeah, no. What yeah. can that everybody's thought about that, had thoughts about. Breaking down and analyzing the second half makes me go, man, I can see the faults, the faults and what they managed to patch and make a truly excellent work with City. In my mind, because in my mind, that's still like an excellent work. Yeah. What was interesting was when I played Spider-Man uh last year for the first time i love spider-man but i compared that in my mind to being like all right that was like the asylum of this series but after playing it's like no spider-man is a better game than asylum so that might just be because it's newer i played it on the remastered version on new hardware and stuff and everything so but yeah overall interesting very interesting but i think that one also has the opposite problem where the first half of spider-man is good but then the second half is like Especially the last third of that game is really freaking great. So, like... Send them home happy. Send them, uh, would you rather have a game that... Uh, it's, it's a question of, would you rather have a game that is great out of the gate, but then becomes bad when... Not bad. That lo- loses its luster once you finish it? Or do you want something that, like, uh, starts okay, and then builds up over time, and then is great at the end? I think the, the key it, statement is maybe if something's not adding anything cut the shit yeah <laughs> moral of the story yeah stop uh stop padding things maybe it's better to have something that might get skewered for being on the short side but ultimately is better for it in some ways because it's better at standing the test of time ultimately and michael with your wonderful segue that means it is time for us to discuss what we will be playing as our next game yes um Okay, so it is the spooky season. As our tradition, we play a spooky game at spooky season. So what are we playing? What's our spooktacular game for this uh, this season? This is a game I was planning on revisiting a while back, and then we had a show, and I'm like, I'm going to save this to, before I come back and finish this game for good. A game called Parasite Eve. A bit of a cult classic from the PlayStation days. Um... Something you've been talking about wanting to do with this from the beginning of the show, back in 2020 when we started. Um, kind of give me a run-through of this game, uh, kind of the history of it, and then why our listeners should be uh, playing along yeah. with us on this. Cause, yeah, because the history of this game is fascinating because this is very much a place-in-time type of game. So I'm going to be doing, there's a lot of uh, prep work for this, so I'll go ahead and get started. Parasite Eve is a horror action RPG by Squaresoft. During the early 90s, Square was a developer and publisher mostly known for Japanese RPGs. And the games developed by them during this time were exclusively for either the Super Nintendo or the Game Boy. In 1994, Squaresoft released the smash hit Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy III in North America. After the game's completion, the staff had to uh, contemplate where to begin development for the next game in the series. Nintendo's Ultra 64, as it was known at in its development, or Sony's upcoming PlayStation. The team gave themselves three months to craft a demo, taking a scene from Final Fantasy VI and rendered a 3D CG demo. The demo alone of this small section was 20 megs. Remember, a Nintendo 64 cart was 64 megs, and one scene from the game was a third of that storage space. So, the decision was made... From then on out, CD-ROM was the better, more cost-effective solution because paying for a bigger cart was a lot more expensive than just making a two-disc or a three-disc RPG. (laughs) 
which is something that you just don't think about now. But like, yeah, games used to be not only on being on disc was a big deal, but there was like multiple disc for multiple games. <laughs> yeah, it's something to think about. Uh, this meant leaving behind their longtime partner with Nintendo in favor of PlayStation. In 1997, a little game called Final Fantasy VII released and was an absolute smash hit. PS1s sold out in Japan's week be- weeks before the game's release after the console spent two years on the market. So the weeks leading up to it, it was hard to find a PlayStation again in preparation for Final Fantasy VII. In North America, the game sold 1.5 million copies in its first week. RPGs were no longer a niche genre. This was the mainstream now. The funny thing about that is I just had a core memory get unlocked. That I was at like my great grandmother's house who lived with my great aunt. And like my great uncle had Final Fantasy VII on his PlayStation with like Gran Trismo and like Madden. So it was like it crossed over into that level of success that like people who played just like Madden and Gran Turismo and things like that had Final Fantasy VII. That PlayStation- it was a weird core memory though. It was just unlocked. Yeah. The PlayStation library was weird when you think about it. Everyone had such like the weirdest collection. No two PlayStation libraries were the same. Everyone had like a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, and every and there was so many really solid PlayStation games that was like you could be the guy who had like if you went to your friend's house he had like Twisted Metal and like, oh, Tomb Raider and then there was the guy over here who had Tony Hawk and Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid <laughs> and yeah, it's just yeah, it was a I think the PlayStation Two had that also. Yeah, and I wish I, I don't know if games really has that anymore. That level of like everybody you know there's just such variety and everybody you know there's so much. Yeah, it's just variety to everything. Uh, to contrast all of this, the early and mid-90s gave birth to a cultural movement in Japan called J-horror. Fictions such as The Ring and Cure were very popular at this time. During this era, a science fiction horror novel named Parasite Eve by Hideaki Sena received critical and commercial acclaim. Chrono Trigger director Takashi Tokita and Final Fantasy VII producer Hinorobu Sakaguchi set out to make a sequel to the novel. Timing lined up in their their eyes. Horror games like Resident Evil were very popular, and RPGs finally have uh, mainstream acclaim. So why not combine the two? Production was split between Square's Japanese and American offices. Computer graphics artist Steve Gray, who's credited for animating the Coca-Cola Polar Bears, was the U.S. development head for the game. (laughs) Get me the Polar Bear Man! Someone in Japan was like, I, I need this guy. I just like to see a bunch of like really in suits, you know, stereotypical Japanese businessmen be like, get me the polar bear man. <laughs> Phone rings in California, <laughs> you're needed. <laughs> Famed composer Yoko Shinomura from Street Fighter 2, Mario RPG, and the Punisher arcade game composed the soundtrack. The game's FMV sequences were the bulk of the advertising campaign, being used in both the game's reveal at TGS in 1997 and in television ads in the U.S. The game released in Japan in March of 1998. In the American lead-up, the ESRB gave Parasite Eve an M rating, the first Square game to earn one. Parasite Eve released in North America on September 9, 1998 to mostly positive reviews. The main complaint about the game was that it was considered too short by several outlets, how long to beat list the game at about nine, nine and a half hours. Expect to finish the game all the way through in no more than 15 hours is the subheading for Greg Kasavin of GameSpot's review. It's for noting that Greg Kasavin made Bastion, a game we finished in about five hours. 
You know, it's funny when you say things on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, list like play devil's advocate here. Yeah, that was a like part of the review process for like EGM and stuff. You factored in the length. Like it was like okay, the gameplay. Like back when they did breakdowns or like. 7. Replay value. 7.5 for gameplay. Graphics, 8.6. You know, everything was super broken down. And then length of game was a factor. Like, oh, it's a good, it's a long leg game. Congratulations, get, you get 9 out. You get 9 out of 10. Even Mel Solid, like a good 10-hour game was like, had to feel the need to put some padding in. Because I was like, if we we can't make an 8-hour a game at full price on two like, discs. That's going to be crazy. It's we almost gotta... like Metal Gear Solid would be better if it was eight hours. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I agree with that. It's almost like if you don't have to chase those cards. Those card keys. Like, if you don't have to handle those card keys, it'd be a better game. <laughs> I, I like Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> <laughs> the game would sell two million copies worldwide, over half in Japan, and earn a greatest hits re-release. While it did not earn any Game of the Year awards at the time, it was voted as the number 16 best PS1 game by Famitsu readers in 2000. It was also chosen as part of Japan's PS Classic lineup, although it is on mine. Weird how they get there. <clears throat> Michael, are you... Michael, that would be... That would be, like, hacking. What? are you talking a, about? This wouldn't weird. that make you a hackleman? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just... That's what I want. Going forward, I'm going to refer to you as hackleman, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> the, this game can be played on the PS1, the PS3, the PSP, and Vita... But it is really easy to play with other means if you're also a hacker man. If you're a hacker man. <laughs> if you would like to be a hacker man for this Halloween, there's ways for you to play Parasite Eve. <laughs> um, it is on yeah, it is on the PS3 digital store for $6. It is a, it is a hassle to uh, get that thing because you can't uh, pay for it directly on the PS3. You have to go to a web browser put money on your PS oh, account. Oh, that bullshit. Yeah. Because yeah, they're like, we can't, it was like the credit card service doesn't work for PS3. We, we turned off that server. So you're going to have to tie it to your account if you want to play it. Yeah. I, I have it on my PS3 and I'm lending Eric my disc copy of the game. Yeah, you, yeah you're lending me the disc copy and then, which you got recently for a steal. For, yeah, about 30 bucks on eBay. If it stops working, you might have to do that backwards way of getting the, uh, the, Pay the $6 and do the workaround. I tried yeah. to save you from that. It was yeah. one of the ones I wanted a physical copy of anyway. If it stops working, what do you mean? It, it's a PS1 game that's like 25 years old. There's oh, okay. Some, okay. There's, some, like scr- that. I there's thought some scratches on the back of the disc. Oh, okay, I thought you meant... I, yeah. I tested it. I played about 30 minutes to see if it would work, and I didn't run into any skips or any problems, so you should be fine. If worse comes to worse, there was a store around here that does disc repair. <laughs> yeah, you get... There, yeah, I, I, I got some good. Uh, I, I was weighing if I needed to get resurfaced or not, but yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll cross that bridge I'm, when we get there. <laughs> the halfway point for this game is an extended flashback sequence in the hospital on day four. The game is divided up into six days, but the exact halfway point is in the middle of day four. In the hospital dungeon, that's a phrase, there is an extended flashback sequence. Standard flashback. Do we you, play through the flashback sequence, or do we stop at the flashback sequence? You stop after the flashback. The flashback sequence is a in-game cutscene. Okay. That will have some pretty big character reveals in it. So you will after know the one. The, the cutscene. There is a save point in that room. Go to the save point and save because it's, okay. it's it's not an auto-save game. This is an old PlayStation RPG. So go Most, to, 
after the big flashback cut scene in the hospital on day, on day four. four, we will save the game, and that will be our stopping point. Yes. Okay. And since this is a PlayStation RPG, uh, do not uh, feel bad about if you need to pull up a map of some dungeons. That is a PS1 game. That has to happen. Yeah. And I would also keep multiple save files. Like yeah, I, I two do or that. Three. Cycle I do that in a modern game. There, there's a lot of save. There's a lot of save points in this game. It's uh, you save at phones because it's a modern day RPG. So every time you see a phone, you can save. So I would cycle between like two or three save slots I just do. in case you get stuck at you and you want to go back and like explore the environment for an item or better armor. You can do that. I, I like I said, I do that on modern games. I always bounce between at least two to three so that's that's not an issue that's just good that's just responsible gameplay is what that is um no i think this is going to be interesting um it's a game that i have no experience with do you know like anything about this no, besides this an rpg i don't actually know if i want to hmm. i kind of i was starting to look up stuff and then I realized that it'd be more interesting with me going completely blind. That would be fun to see. Now, you have read the prequel book. I have read the book that this game is technically a sequel to. It should not affect your enjoyment of the game or the story because things are going to... Everything that's going to be told in the book, from my understanding, is going to be explained to the characters of this world. I just wanted to do it so I have background knowledge and so I can do like the a very deep dive if I need to and explain like, oh... They're referencing this character from the book. Is the book good? It's good. It is good? It's weird. So it's a like medical drama for two-thirds of it and then goes full sci-fi horror for the last third. Like body horror stuff. Which That's cool. Is, is it a long book, short book? It, it, a pretty short book. It's like 300 pages, but like 20 pages of it is an appendix. So it was a really oh, fast okay. read. It took me a couple weeks. I'm a slow reader, so. I'm like try to read that it's available digitally the heart the physical copy of the book only had one run in the united states and be and naturally fans of the game won it so it's a high price but it is a ten dollar ebook i wonder if it's an audio i'm not sure i'll I'll look i i might try to get to it i got like three books running right now so i might might have to put it on the pile and see if i enjoy the game as much you might want to see if you enjoy the game before you dive in i'm a sucker for books though uh, but this game is really fascinating, and I thought it would it was a good fit for the show, both in like its length and we don't typically get a lot get a chance to play a lot of RPGs on the show. No, we don't because we they're massive. Yeah, massive, and we gotta keep things moving. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it's good to play an RPG, and it's also good to uh, fiddle with a game that's kind of a cult classic. There is no sequel to this, right? There is a sequel. There is a sequel. There's Parasite Eve 2 on the PlayStation 1, which they, not to get too far in the weeds, that plays more like a traditional Resident Evil with some light RPG mechanics. It's like an inverse of the first game. And then there is a third game. We don't talk about the third game. Have you heard of a game called The Third Birthday on the PSP? Possibly? That is a... Um, PSP game, which from what I understand has really good gameplay, but completely ruins the main character. Oh no! <laughs> so how, how everyone does it just ruin the main I character? I won't. I'll. I'll have. I'll. I'll explain that as we go forward. Okay. But. Okay. <laughs> I don't like the way you said that because it's not like just it ruins the main character because it's bad. It was like he does something. Not like. I don't know. Okay. I'll keep it. I, you want to go? You want to know nothing? You want to yeah, go? I don't want to know nothing. So, 
this will be exciting. I can't wait yeah. to hear your thoughts on this game. Because you're going to be like, this is really fascinating. Or, Michael, I hate this thing. No, I, I hate that you we'll make see. me play it. No, I think it would be interesting. I like to... It's Also, we... I don't think we played a PlayStation game this season. Or a game from that generation. Have we? I don't think so. We typically... This is... I think this is the earliest gen we've gone back. We talked about some Super Nintendo games, but... No, we never but really... we've played uh, Grim Fandango. That was 98. When was this? 98. 98? You know, because, yeah, because we've gone back to the PlayStation before because we did like, Metal, Gear, Metal Gear, Solid. Gear Solid. I think uh, Metal Gear Solid is technically the earliest yeah, that we played. Because, you know, I think the earliest would be Metal Gear Solid and then, like, Sonic Adventures. That was 2000 or 2001. 2001. So, yeah, yeah so. 1999, 98 is probably the latest we've gone back. <laughs> um Okay, yeah, I think it's good to go back and play something from this generation. I think it'll be interesting. I I look forward to it. So, extended whole, uh, flashback sequence in day four of the hospital. Save after that. That'll be our stopping point. Uh, you can check us out at State of the Save on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitch. Um, you can also send your emails to stateofthesave at gmail.com. Uh, tell us that we need to stop being negative Nancy's and enjoy video games. I guess. <laughs> but no, I think this is going to be a great one. I'm looking forward to playing this. I might fiddle around with it this week. Uh, go ahead and get a jump on things. Uh, as always, stay safe out there. See you.